Okay. Good morning. Sorry, what was that? Good morning? Good. There we go. Right on. Um, this year has been a great year. Thank you for um, giving this opportunity to preach. Um, this year, Briarcrest has been a very beneficial uh, and educational one. Uh, and there's been lots of talk on, on the Bible, theology, and missions, and all this. And so I hope that today I'll be able to share some of this that I have learned and, and ultimately preach God's word and what he's laid on my heart. And um, this past four days, we've been at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp. Uh, as counselors, and we've been doing the staff training, and I am very excited for what God is going to be doing at Turtle Mountain this summer. Uh, it looks to be a great summer, uh, full of, of his work in And we're focusing the theme this year on, on the Word of God, or the Bible, and uh, yeah, let us dive into it. So uh, let us start off with a joke, because what sermon doesn't start off with a great joke? Um, a young man was preaching for the first time and he stood before the congregation, and a few moments passed by. At last, he opened his mouth, and he slowly began to speak. On the way here this morning, only God and I knew what I was about to share this morning. But now, through some singular coincidence, only God knows what I'm going to share. So, let us hope that this morning is God's working, but that I have maybe a little bit of a part to play in it. Um, But yet again, there's another pastor that was preaching, and as he greeted the people at the very end of the congregation, um, a man said, that was a great sermon, Pastor, and to which the pastor humbly replied, oh, it it wasn't me, it was was all God, (laughs) to which the man replied, no, no, Pastor, it wasn't that good. So, yes, let's hope for a little bit of mixture of both. (laughs) So, let us pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can be gathered here this morning to learn about uh, your word, which Jesus has been uh, giving us through the Gospels. God, I I hope that we will um, help one another to strive on to be um, strong disciples of you and of your kingdom, that we will listen to your commandments and that we will trust that you are with us till the end of days. And uh, as we go out from here, let us not forget what you have taught us here this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So, if you will open up your Bibles, if you brought them with you, um, or the words should be up on the monitor, I hope, um, we'll just read that passage again. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight sixteen to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, he worshipped them. But some doubted. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always to the end of age. Now, that's a pretty incredible verse. I, I think that's just mind-blowing. Matthew has been talking about Jesus being this Davidic king, that he is this honorary prophet of sorts, and the people are 
who is this guy? And all of a sudden, at the very end, Jesus drops. I am the son, and I have been given authority by my father. He's alluded to the disciples a couple of times, but they sometimes didn't really understand. And Jesus eventually reveals this to him. So I just think this is one of those mic drop moments for, for Matthew, that he is just, here it all is. And um, this is just an awesome of the one, this is awesome, the one true Lord has been given the authority by God to make his dominion, his glory, and kingdom known to all the earth. On top of that, Jesus is giving us a royal invitation to all people to join in him forever in this that he's been given by his father. Now, a little context for Matthew. It is important to note that Matthew is the only one of the gospel writers that writes to the Jews. Although, he, although we include him in our gospels because of short, in short, um, the Jesus that he portrays teaches to each one of us. And this is one of the verses that helps us understand that. Um, as well as, this author gives great insight to a converted Jew's perspective on Jesus. Knowing that Matthew is a Jew also gives us greater insight for us as a reader how to look at the stories and um, the grand proclamation of the Son of God within the story. In short, Matthew, the book of Matthew, is a masterpiece of a book because Matthew is a Jew that has been given a breathtaking account on the perspective of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 16. We maybe have it up there, maybe not. That's all right. Um, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mount which Jesus had directed them. Does anything pop out to you guys about that, if if I may ask? You guys are willing to answer. If I can have maybe one or two hands. No? No? Okay, that's all right. Um, (laughs) Okay, so that's all right, because I'm the one speaking on this, and you aren't, so... um, (laughs) It's important to note that Galilee is the place which Jesus called his disciples. Because as you remember, the first time that Matthew talks about Galilee is in Matthew 4, 12 and 17. And to quote it, he says, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And from that time he began preaching, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This flesh form of Jesus starts his ministry in Galilee. And now, at the very end of Matthew, he is ending it in Galilee. Jesus hasn't spoken at all. Matthew writes to his readers that Jesus is in Galilee. So this is a huge moment. Jesus has been um, going to the southern uh, areas and whatnot, and now he's returned back to Galilee. And so this is the grand finale of fireworks, as you guys may have seen this past week. Um, As you notice, Matthew is also writing uh, that there is a mountain on which Jesus was at. And as we can also remember, the last time uh, Matthew talked about a mountain was when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, which was a huge revelation to the people of rewriting some of the Old Testament and reinforcing some of the Old Testament commandments. Um, So from this, we gather that Jesus is not only about to say his last farewell, but he is also about to lay the foundation of what he wants his ministry to launch off on. And he hasn't even spoken yet. Verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Some suggest that Matthew means more than just the disciples that were close to him were there. But I think it's pretty evident that there's just the 11 disciples because Matthew specifically says there's 11 disciples. Uh, People believe this because early in chapter 28, uh, Jesus says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they shall see me. And uh, so some people will say there's more people there and obviously Jesus' closest disciples wouldn't have doubted him. Uh, They would have been the ones that worshipped him and all the other people that didn't really know Jesus doubted. But I think that Matthew specifically says there's 11 disciples there. Um, So what does the words worship and doubt mean in the original Greek? So the word for worship in Greek is proskino in this uh, instance. And so this is the same word that Satan used to tempt Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew 4, 9. And this is the same word that Jesus corrects Satan in saying that only God is to be worshipped. And so, as you guys yeah, may remember, the, Satan says, if you da- bow down and worship me, then I will give you all that your eye can see, which Jesus responds, only God is to be worshipped. Um, and so, from this, there should not be any confusion with the word worship as being a sign of respect, but rather it is a uh, sign that Jesus is more than just a man. And yeah, in the word proskino, it, it refers to a higher deity, that this is the one true Lord. Uh, usually when people will argue against what worship really meant in the context, uh, sometimes Caesar, it would be written, Caesar is worshipped. And so in showing that Caesar is bowed to as a sign of respect, um, as a sign of honor. But no, this time... Worship means what we would usually actually think it means, so it's not actually that complicated. Um, So when Matthew writes the word doubt, which is the next word we should go to, it is not the doubt in the sense that we would usually think. This doubt that they experience is the same word for doubt that Peter was told by Jesus. Well, he sank uh, on walking on the water. This doubt is not a doubt that they disbelieved Jesus was raised from the dead, but rather the doubt in the sense that they did not know how to respond to this miracle of Jesus being alive, even though he had told them earlier in chapter 28 and in chapters before. (laughs) This doubt runs through your mind when such a coincidence happens that it must have been a miracle because there's no other explanation. So, as an example or a object lesson, if you will, I have brought in a deck of cards. If you guys want to, you can come closer to the front. Um, You're welcome to. someone wants to push them okay. I'm not holding these cards in any sort of way that would give me those cards. You guys agree that they're in the middle of the deck, correct? Yes? I hear you. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, think about the circuit. You go one, two, three. And there's a nine. So, 
this is an example of the kind of doubt that these disciples would... Yeah, you can go back to your seats. Thank you for the two that came up. Um, so, yes. Um, this is just a sleight of hand trick. Uh, but you may be wondering, how did this trick work? Because, and that is exactly what I want you to think, because that is, that's perfect, because that's a state that the disciples were in when they saw Jesus doing exactly what he said he would do. Although this trick is only, yeah, uh, a trick of the mind and sleight of hand, Jesus' resurrection was not a trick at all. This was <clears throat> what the disciples saw. They had problems understanding how this man could conquer death and how he actually did conquer death and not just trick you with some simple cards. Um, this word for doubt can also mean hesitation, as in they hesitated before worshiping Jesus because of their unbelief. So it could also be read as... Um, oh, the Bible's upside down. Um, and when they saw him, some immediately worshipped and some hesitated before worshipping. Which makes a little more sense on why it would be just the 11. Uh, and it makes more sense uh, why Matthew used the words doubt in, in this uh, instance. So, verse 18. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Wow. That's just, that's awesome. Like, Jesus hasn't even spoken yet, and we already know that something grand is going to happen. We, like, the disciples already start worshiping him, and, it, like, he hasn't said anything yet because they believe in him and because this setting, this place, this time is so grand. He finally speaks to the 11 disciples that all authority has been given to him by his Father in order to glorify his pa- Father and Paul writes on this in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, 28, uh, and explains it in, in greater detail. This is to say that Jesus has been given all authority by God and is now to be viewed as an equal deity with God. Now, what's even cooler is that 600 years prior, Daniel writes in, seven, uh, in Daniel 7, 13, and 14, I saw a vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man, He came to the Ancient of Days, which is God, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion will be an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom shall be one that is not destroyed. This means that Matthew is finally giving the official title of Lord to Jesus. And this is important because... Um, as you may notice in Mark Jesus is usually referred to as teacher and in Luke Jesus is usually referred to as master as a sign of respect and in Matthew Jesus is referred to as Lord but now Matthew has not only seen Jesus as this Davidic king of Israel but now he is fully Lord of all this verse 18 also starts off the theme that runs through the passage there's uh, four, four alls, if you will. Uh, this is the all, of the all of the authority, all nations, all commandments, and all ages. These four are important to underline because Matthew specifically mentions the words all in front of each of these crucial pillars of life. Nations, commandments, time, and authority is 
kind of a huge part of life. So, and Jesus has been given all of it and is commanding all of it. Uh, so, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's also a lot that goes on in this verse. Jesus calls his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, which means equally Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles being people that aren't Jews. If you didn't know what Gentiles meant. Um, Matthew 21, 42, and 43, uh, Jesus explains this prior. Uh, Jesus says to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stones that their builders rejected? has become the cornerstone. This is what the Lord was doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Now, the leaders thought that Jesus was talking directly to them, and, well, he was. And so, um, this is not to say that Jesus is rejecting Jews altogether, but this is the realization for Matthew's readers that Jesus has officially accepted Jews and Gentiles as equally able for salvation and to hear the good news. As you also notice, this is the first time that Matthew mentions baptism since Jesus has been baptized by John. Now, Jesus has given the authority to his believers to go and baptize in the same, uh, in the same way for followers for the kingdom. So just as Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down, uh, which launched Jesus' ministry, he's now commanded us as disciples to go and baptize those so that we can continue on our ministry and be a witness for each other uh, in doing that. Jesus straightly says also that he is equal with the Holy Spirit and with God. Now, these are like pretty... Like, these, are, these are things that we as a church would understand, but for Matthew's readers... This is huge. This is mind-blowing. This, in the sense that the reader is left speechless because Jesus has finally returned to being one with the Trinity, and this is some of the first obvious theology that Jesus gives in the Gospel. Jesus talks about uh, with my Father, and, and I mean, sometimes we can say, uh, I am like my father, but some, but we know maybe in our hearts that you know I can't do all the things my father can do, or I am not equal in stature with my father. But Jesus is saying, I am right up there with the Holy Spirit and with God, side by side with Him, all one, uh, and that's that's just really awesome. So, um, moving on to verse twenty teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Since there has been talk of making disciples in this point, uh, Jesus tells his disciples now how to make disciples. It is just as simple as Jesus says. To become a disciple is to obey his commandments. This is referring to the commandments that Jesus gives on the Sermon on the Mount in his preaching to the people and uh, the ones that he reinforces in the Old Testament. Jesus ends by quoting his father in the last statement as well, which I think is just really cool. Um, Behold, he says, I am with you always, which is a parallel to the beginning of Matthew when God tells Mary what to name her child in chapters 123. He says, you, 
uh, call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is now finally proclaiming his name and title as Emmanuel, saying that he will be with us for all of eternity and not just here in the physical form, uh, as God was meaning before, but uh, that he will always be with us. This also means that we as disciples do not simply bring people to church, camp, small groups, and expect things to work themselves out uh, in that person's life. This means that we as disciples, as a congregation, should be pouring into people's Christians' walk, other people's Christians' walk, outside of the church and equipping them to become disciples of Jesus. Now, looking at this passage lots of people will make an emphasis on the word go and make disciples and specifically on the word go but I want to make an emphasis on the four alls the authority, disciples and nations commandments and till the end of time Jesus has been given authority, this means that Jesus has been given by his father the authority to make a kingdom of disciples for God so if we are to question ourselves as believers, what our intentions are and our choices throughout our day-to-day life, I hope that we can truthfully say, I am doing this to further God's kingdom because Jesus is the only one with authority to tell me what I am to do with my life, and he has asked me to make disciples, so that is what I must go do. This means that if someone is at church and they're struggling with something, or if they are new to church and they don't want Uh, don't wait for an elder of the church or for a pastor or a worship leader or um, somebody running sound or somebody that uh, you can see visibly here in church um, working. Go up to that person and maybe invite them next week. Invite them to your home. Help them in their discipleship walk because that's what we are called to do. That's what Jesus has called us to do as disciples. Not one person has a more specific and in or, sorry, not one person has a more engaging role than the other. This moves on to be. Uh, this moves us on to being disciples. How to be a disciple in our personal life um, is to be what I believe um, Jesus lays out for us in one big category. Uh, this passage uh, that he talks about is to obey the Bible, what the Bible has commanded which is pretty broad, and, but there's lots of great insight because that's what we've been using for the past couple thousand years. So to pick, a f- or I guess 2,000 years, uh, to pick a few uh, categories in the Bible, one must, <coughs> what I would say are crucial, is one must be prayerful, consistently worship the Lord, and continue to learn more about God. These are three points that I have understood to be beneficial for discipleship life in Jesus Christ for your personal self. Now, Jesus mentions disciples and all nations. Now, moving from being a disciple for yourself to being a disciple, or discipling others. Now, from my understanding, when you say all nations, this is one of the best ways to tell us as disciples that everyone needs to become a believer and disciple more people. There is no one to be excluded, whether we like it or not. The person we struggle to love the most in our lives needs to hear the good news of the gospel. There should be no race, sex, social status, personal belief, 
that someone has that hinders you from trying to make them a disciple. When Jesus says all commandments now, he really means all the commandments within their context and without, cha- and without changing the Bible to match our personal beliefs. Part of being a disciple and discipling others is realizing that we have at times uh, are convicted by the Bible and our personal belief. And we don't have the authority to change the passage because as we've learned, Jesus is the only one with authority. And I don't really remember reading in the Bible somewhere that Jesus says you can freely change the Bible whenever you want or if it makes you feel more comfortable, change this, um, change that. In short, let us make a foundation in our lives of Jesus' words and actions. Let the Bible speak for itself. When Jesus says, I will be with you, for all of time. I think to myself, <clears throat> obviously Jesus would say this because he is the loving, everlasting Lord that died for us on the cross in chapter 27. I see this as one of these father-son moments as well in the sense that when God uh, was with the Israelites in the Old Testament, God would usually make a way for them as a nation to conquer um, conquer other nations, or merely continue to survive. But most of the time, it was when the Israelites were talking with God, they gave him excuses and complaints which God would mercifully make ways for the people after they disrespected him in such a way. Now Jesus says that he will be with us till the end of age, which gives us no reason for an excuse to do what he has asked us as disciples. This also gives us a reassurance in our weak human condition of doubt and sin. So, to recap, the Great Commission is a passage where Matthew essentially dumps some of the biggest life-changing moments in the entire book in which we should take and remember the four categories that Jesus talks about. All authority has been given to Jesus, make disciples of all nations, obey all the commandments, and he will be with us for all of time. Now this is my prayer for us as a church as we continue to follow this out and modeling this in our daily lives. I hope that we can abide by these four categories in our, yeah, in our days to come. So um, if you will all stand and read with me the Great Commission. Three... Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Thank you. You may be seated. Oh, let us pray. God, I thank you for this day that you have blessed us with. I pray that as we... Um, go out from here, that we will continue to disciple others, that we will continue to dive into your word and correct ourselves when we are wrong. 
help us to um, to humbly and mercifully correct one another um, when when we need correction. God, help us to accept that correction um, and further ourselves along as a church um, as we go into our day-to-day lives. God, help us not to forget that that you have all the authority, that you have ownership over our lives, and that we are uh, humbly at your feet, God. I just pray that we will, um, in each different trade, in each different uh, craft or um, study that we have done, God, that we will bless you to the best of our abilities, and that we will not forget that you are the Lord that has saved us um, from, from hell, and you have offered us salvation, as Matthew has shown. In this we pray, amen. Thank <laughs> you.